This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, I love Boxing Day. Boxing Day is an official holiday in Canada, and it actually has nothing to do with boxing. It's on the 26th, the day after Christmas. It's an official holiday. Everybody gets the day off, and it's basically a day off so that you can stand in line and return the things that you got for Christmas that you want to exchange and get what you really wanted instead. Have you ever received a gift that you kind of felt eh about and you wanted to take it back? Normally, I love taking stuff back on Boxing Day because I'm kind of indecisive about what I want and I kind of love just walking through the stores and letting the stores tell me what I want. Um, But there was this one year when I was in college and my mom got me this denim jacket and I thought, it's all right at first. And I was kind of wrestling with whether or not I wanted to keep it or return it. And at first I was unsure, um, but the more I considered it, uh, I ended up deciding to keep it. And the funny thing is, is that it's one of my favorite things now. Um, I've had that jacket for 20 plus years and it reminds me of my mom and what an amazing mom she is and how she always gives amazing gifts. And I would be so bummed if I had traded that away for something else. At first I wasn't sure about it, but I ended up loving it. And today we're going to look at the story of Mary, Jesus's mom, and she was given a gift that she was unsure about at first. So who was Mary? Mary was a first century teenage girl. She was from an obscure town called Nazareth out in the bush. Um, She was a Jewish girl and she would have had knowledge of the scriptures. She grew up hearing about the prophecies of the coming Messiah. The Messiah is another name for Jesus who is the one that God would send to rescue the world from sin and brokenness. She was on the cusp of adulthood and she had her dream boy in the picture. She had, she was full of plans and dreams uh, because she was engaged to be married. She was still a virgin. And this was the moment when God steps in and gives Mary a gift. And we see in the book of Luke, in chapter 1, verse 26, it says this, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. So Mary is on this path with her dream boy. She's planning a wedding. She's trying on dresses. She's practicing her new signature. She's picking out cute mid-century modern apartment furniture. And she's excited about stepping into that newlywed life. And God steps in with this gift. Surprise! God likes you and he's chosen you. Surprise! You're about to get pregnant. Surprise! It's going to happen before you get married. Surprise! It's the savior of the world. And Mary is feeling like, is it Boxing Day yet? Where, where's the return line for this gift? And I love how the scriptures say she was confused and disturbed and afraid. That was her initial reaction. And her reaction is not uncommon. Oftentimes, God speak, when God speaks to us, we have to wrestle with the truth of his words. And this is exactly what Mary was experiencing. Have you ever felt that way with God? You have plans and dreams for the future and you think that your life is headed one way, but then God calls you in a completely different direction. Or you are living a life of repetition and then suddenly God breaks in and calls you into the new and the unknown. Or you're looking around and you see the path that every generation ahead of you has gone before you and God is asking you to break the cycle. And we can feel just like Mary did at first. We feel confused and disturbed and afraid. We are wrestling with the truth of God's words. And God is saying, don't return the gift. I love you and I have a plan for you. I have a future that I want to lead you into. And my words are a gift to you. And I'm trying to give them to you because you're going to need them. And Mary was wise enough to recognize the gift. Despite her initial feelings, her response is so beautiful. In verse 38, she says, it says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So Mary recognized that the voice of God is a gift. And she postured her heart to receive God's words and Mary wrestled with the truth, but at the end, she surrendered herself to God and to the fact that God's word will never fail. And Mary's story was recorded for our benefit so that we could see that God's words are a gift. And God's words aren't just a gift to Mary. They're a gift to you and I today because God is still speaking to us today. And in the same way that Mary recognized the voice of God in her life, you and I have a choice to recognize the voice of God in our life. And one way that you can recognize the voice of God is that God's voice is always a voice that's calling you forward, cheering you on into the life that he has for you because he has a bright future for you. And God is still speaking to us today. He's saying, I love you. You can trust me. My words never fail. You can build a life on my words. 
step into my favor, step into the life I'm offering you, step into the bright future that I have for you. Don't return the gift. And that's hard at first because the gift starts out so small. And the gift that God was giving to Mary was the rescue plan for humanity. But the gift definitely did not look that way at first. And if I didn't know the Christmas story and you asked me to guess God's rescue plan for humanity, I would have said that I could see God coming and ripping the sky open in some kind of epic blockbuster movie style, um, riding down from heaven on a cloud on a fantastic beast. I could see him establishing his empire somewhere in some metropolitan city like Manhattan. I could see him ruling the world from his penthouse and, you know, everyone would just worship him and love him and adore him. I would have never guessed that God would be born in the backwoods of the Middle East, not even room for him to be born in a proper building. He was a refugee. He was rejected. He was poor. He was running from his life. He was visited by magicians and shepherds because God starts small and then his plans become epic. And I think that God starts small because we're small. He starts small so that we can grow along with his dreams and plans. I want you to imagine your biggest dream in life. If God handed it to you right now, would you be big enough to handle it? I don't know. I think that's why he says, wait, let me grow you so you can be strong enough, mature enough and capable to handle it. And this is why Jesus said, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. We must not be afraid to start small, to lay aside our pride, to make ourselves vulnerable to God and admit <laughs> that there are things that we can't do on our own. And we need his help because big successes start out as a small idea and then they move into an action and then they move into a pattern and then they move into a habit and then they become part of who you are. But if we are so critical and we're so cynical that we hate small beginnings, I actually think that's a very dangerous place to live. Can we agree right now to be a church that gives each other permission to start small, to take baby steps, to take risk, to risk the change, to, to fail, to get up, to try again, to believe in each other along the way. This is the way God works. He starts small. He gives us seeds and a seed is tiny. And when you look at a seed, you would never guess that a huge tree would come from it. And we live in this culture that loves to celebrate big dreams and big successes and big accomplishments. And we should celebrate those things. But we have to remember to celebrate the small beginnings as well. We have to remember that God's salvation plan for the world came in the form of a tiny baby. It came through a small act of obedience on Mary's part. And so Mary receives God's words and she responds, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. 
and she wrestles with the truth of God's words. But then there comes a point where she stops wrestling and she receives them. She surrenders herself to God's plan. And then she does something incredible. Mary worships God and she actually writes her own worship song. She takes a praise break. And so we see in Luke verse 46, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. God has spoken to her and nothing has really happened yet. But she doesn't wait until everything comes together before she worships God. And this is an FYI to us that you can worship God anytime in the process you can worship God before the breakthrough, you can worship God in the middle, and you can worship God after the breakthrough. Because worship lifts our eyes from our current circumstances and our opposition to see that God is able, that God is working. And there are some of you who are waiting to see if God will come through before you worship him. And if that's you, you're missing out because worship fills our souls with hope and strength for the road ahead. And Mary, she worshiped freely. And she is actually a very healthy model for us today. And my hope for us as a church is that when we worship together, I know we're scattered all over in our living rooms and kitchens right now, um, but when we are together, that we have permission and space to allow the Holy Spirit to work wherever we're at in the process so that you would feel free to do what you have to do to sort yourself out while you're worshiping. If that's cry, cry. If that's singing your heart out, sing your heart out. If you need to shout, shout. Stir up the faith and the confidence within your soul that God will complete the work that he started. Because the process of stepping into new things that God has for us, that can be so difficult. And it's full of challenges. And God gives us his words to hold on to because we're actually gonna need them. He loves you and he is taking you somewhere. And so he gives you his words so that you can step into the future that he has for you. He gives you his words so that you can withstand the moments in the middle because in life, there are two opposing sides that are constantly in battle. There's God's words, and then there's our circumstances. And God's words will often say one thing, but then the circumstances of life will come in and beat us down and try to convince us otherwise. And this is why worship is so important. Worship elevates God to his rightful place above our circumstances 
And worship is rehab for our soul that reminds us, hey, you're on the winning team. And when you look at Mary's life, for example, like I wonder if she sang her worship song all throughout her life, not just when she was pregnant, but could you imagine her sitting at the cross, worshiping, singing her song, even in that moment? God has done great things for me. She needed to hold on to God's words. Because God told her, you will conceive and you will give birth to a savior. And then circumstances come and Jesus actually dies on the cross and Mary buries him. But then God's word prevails because Jesus conquers death. God said, Jesus will be very great. But circumstances come and Jesus was actually held in low esteem. But then God's word will prevail because the scriptures say every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God said Jesus will be called the son of the most high and circumstances come in and Jesus is despised and rejected of men. But God's word prevails because Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God for all eternity. And I remember the day that Joel spoke to me about becoming, him becoming a lead pastor. And um, building churches is always something that we've done together since day one. We actually met when I was on college on a staff, on a church staff in San Diego. And we've always been so happy uh, to just kind of work for a church. And Joel never really had that strong desire to be a lead pastor. And one weekend we were sitting, I was sitting in church and um, I felt God speak to me. And it was just kind of this sudden thing that, that came in and I felt like God said, Joel's going to be asked to be a lead pastor. And I was kind of like, it was very clear and and it felt like it was from God. And so that night when I got home from church, I told Joel and I said, hey, I feel like God said you're going to become, be asked to become a lead pastor. And so we kind of talked about it. And then the next day, Joel went to church and he was approached by this man who came up to him and said, um, hey, I, I don't really know you. We still don't know who this guy was to this day. But he said, I don't really know you, but... Um, I feel like God wanted me to come up to you and tell you that you're going to be asked to be a lead pastor. Does that resonate with you? And Joel was kind of in shock. And we worshiped God and we waited and we took it as our cue. Okay, this is, this is God speaking to us. And we told our pastor at the time um, and we kind of just took the opportunity to learn as much as we could about that role and time went on and nothing happened. We kind of started to think like, did we get this wrong? And it was actually three years went by. And, but you know, God's word never fails. And three years went by and then he was offered the job as a lead pastor in Canada. And after we moved and we got settled there, things became very difficult very quickly. And we questioned whether or not we made the right decision. And we needed God's words. We clung so tightly to God's words. And they were such a gift to us when our circumstances were beating down on us. God's words gave us the confidence to know that we were exactly where we needed to be. 
that he would be faithful and that he would come through. And guess what? He was faithful and he did come through, you know, and now we're here at new life and things are very hard again, but I know we will see the other side. I know that God is saying, do not quit this prematurely. Hold on to my words because I want to develop you and I will use these hard things to produce good things in you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not upset with you. I'm not punishing you. I am working in you despite these crazy circumstances. So what is the small gift that God has given you today? Don't return the gift. Open it with joy. Don't hate it because it's small. It's actually part of a bigger and epic plan that you don't want to miss out on. Thank God because he's included you in his plan from day one. And you have permission to worship him like it's already finished because God has promised to complete the work that he started in you. And if he promised it, it's as good as done. The Christmas story is the story of God sending Jesus to come for us and do for us what we could never do for ourselves. He is the rescue plan, the hope for humanity. He is still speaking, he is still inviting, and he is still calling to us today. So let's worship him no matter where we're at in the process. Let's worship him in the wrestle. Let's worship him even though we can't see breakthrough. Let's worship him when we're on the mountaintops and let's worship him when we're in the valleys. Let's worship Emmanuel, Jesus, who made it possible for us to experience the life that we're longing for. God with us and God in us. What a gift. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.